What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 57, Nothing But Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? Hi, friend. I'm yeah. well. <laughs> I hope you are. Um, have you heard uh, what KFC just announced... It's a chizza. Oh god. I wanted it's a, it's a chicken pizza. I wanted to to surprise You want to eat it. I wanted to to, <laughs> to to surprise you with it, but yeah, I Oh, oh please, how could I be surprised? I, I I troll the interwebs for weird foods. Okay, for the for first time listeners, this is not usually how we start this show. <laughs> well, we started it a few weeks ago talking about that weird Taco Bell thing. It just so happens that we occasionally talk about terrible fast food. Matt's Okay, like breakfast tacos. Oh, uh, that's whatever not the, whatever the fuck that is. Let's not get into that now. But it's like a burrito, but not KFC's the chizza. What is it? The chizza? <laughs> the chizza. Chizza. What is this? the Rizza? The Ghostface Killer. What, yeah. What is this, Matt? What is the chizza? It is a piece of fried chicken that has been flattened, and then t- <laughs> that is your pizza crust, and then it's you know covered in you know more chicken. Because, it's, of course, more chicken and then marinara sauce because it's a pizza, right? And then they drizzle, uh, they put mozzarella on it and they put on, like, that garbage cheese. Like that, like, cheese fry cheese. You know what I mean? The most disgusting thing I think I've ever <laughs> it looks, seen. It looks so vile. It's even worse than, like, that double down thing they have. And you're going to eat it, right? Right, uh, Matt? Well, if it, if it comes to America, of course. <laughs> you are going to eat it. This might be like that weird Pizza Hut pizza where the crust was made of cheeseburgers and it never comes to America. Or do, do they ever bring uh, around here that uh, Burger King hamburger that was, like, black? D- no, we didn't get that. Yes. Only Japan got that. Oh, oh no, re- we really? Got that. Oh, we we oh, got what? our our guest slash ghost is com- confirming that that did happen. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't let you say that it didn't come to the states. We got it for Halloween. That's right. Okay, oh. yeah. I, I thought it was like a Hong Kong, you know, Japanese thing. But yeah, okay. So yeah, because my brother has had one. He's he's in the navy. He's stationed in Japan. And he said it tastes interesting. Interesting. He, he didn't say it was weird. He's, he didn't say it was bad, but it was interesting. That's, that's uh, exactly what you want to hear from eating a Burger King burger, uh, right? It tastes interesting. Per- <laughs> apparently, makes- like, the, s- the sauce is, like, made with, like, squid ink. What? Mm-hmm. And that's how it's black? Yeah. Yeah, and it makes story. your poop blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't tell me that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you should have asked him. From now on, Matt, every time somebody asks you, or somebody tells you about what they ate, ask him what their poop was like. Oh, my brother, eats some, my brother eats some weird stuff over in Japan. Uh, but more on that on a future episode of <laughs> now, yeah. When I have my when I have my brother on the show calling in from Japan, yeah, uh, let's, which, let's let's do which that. actually we should do that. That'd be cool. He because we'd be talking to him from the future, like he'd be in the future. We're, I mean, we're using the most advanced technology to do the show Skype, right? And that never goes actual wrong. actual time machines. <laughs> Just imagine if we were calling Japan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, we'll talk to your brother soon. Is, 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 is your brother a film fan at all? Oh yeah, he loves everything. Yeah, it, it, literally, it, he loves everything, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 weird. I don't think we've ever talked about. It. Is is he your older or younger brother? Younger brother. Younger brother. Okay, he's about uh, four 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 years old. Four five years younger, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Awesome. So yes, future episode. Well, let's let's save that for like episode maybe one hundred. No, seventy five. Seventy five is a good number. Seventy five. Well, we'll book him. <laughs> Yeah. All right. That sounds about right. So that's live from Japan. <laughs> so that's our uh, our code open our our chat section of the show. That's yes. Done. Scratched off. We've done enough of that. 
Now, Matt, it's time to discuss what we're going to be talking about on the show this week. All right, you mean Matt's Riddle Corner, where yes. I give cryptic clues with my contempt for the audience <laughs> so they, they can guess what we're talking about this week. <clears throat> this week, we're going to be talking about Will Arnett and Michael Sarah. I don't care for Job. And then we're going to go on the field with Coach Tony D'Amato. And then we're going to talk to Vince McMahon for a little bit. And then we're going to have a halftime show. And then we're going to watch two people dance around L.A. And then Isabelle Huppert is going to, you know, take control of herself. And then a shark is going to get some revenge. And then... I don't know how to make a joke out of this before, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and then an Italian man is going to try to make a movie. Or is he? And then Dan Arkwright's going to wear a lot of weird prosthetics. And then Ewan McGregor is going to direct a movie for the first time ever. Oh, isn't that cute? And then Charlton Heston is going to eat some really weird crackers. And then we're going to, you know, hang out with Charlie, because Charlie don't surf. And then we're going to have a flash forward to six months from now. There you go. That's our show. <laughs> wow. See? Um, so, so, so figure that out, listeners. Uh, screw you. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. That part of the show is done. Check. Now. Jesus Christ, you're just <laughs> checking off the boxes. You, We need to go to a workshop and work on transitions, Marcella. I don't know how to do that. I am, I am not good at... I will coach you. Improv. We, Improvisation. We, it's it's not, like, you know, it's, I, there's a sandwich in front of you, but there's not really a sandwich. It's improv. You're just, you know... I have no idea how I've lasted this long. Or, like, why, ha- why I haven't thrown in the towel already for this you know, podcasting thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like I, I again. Like, I, I, I was editing episodes earlier, and I heard myself uh, saying that I've done like 175 hours or so of, of podcasting. That's that, quite a bit. That's insane. I should stop. You know, I should. No. I should, I should. <laughs> you don't deserve Marcelo, this. Marcelo, <laughs> Marcelo, I need this. <laughs> you know what? I'll keep going for at least 90 more minutes. Okay. Oh, uh, sweet. <laughs> Because You're we, my hero. Because we have a good guest this week, Matt. Matt, who's yes. our guest? Yes. It's just some guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, this week we actually have... Uh, he's a uh, writer. He writes... Uh, you can find his writings over on GQ, movies.com, etc., etc., etc. He's pretty freaking awesome. It's John Golson. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. Hello, John. I, 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 I had been holding my tongue because <laughs> isn't the... Isn't the cheat? Is it Chitza? Chizza? You're saying Chizza? Matt is saying Chizza. You wouldn't say Chizza. I don't. Well, I don't know. It just look like it's C H I Z Z A, right? So Chizza. Is, isn't it just chicken parmesan? Kinda, but yeah. they like they fuck it up with that like gr- that like orange cheese. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, John, you should see this picture because it's it's disturbing. I saw it. It looked like it had pieces of pineapple. All over yeah, it yeah, it's got pineapple too. It has yeah. pineapple. That's pineapple. I thought that was cheese. I'm even more. Oh no, it's 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 pineapple covered in nacho cheese. Uh, I'm, I'm, because of course it is. I am I am sick to my stomach right now. I don't know why. Why you know what I would like to do? How has once? Gone I would, so wrong. I would, what what Matt? I, I would love to spend one day in the KFC think tank, <laughs> just just, just yeah, to see what what crazy fucking ideas they throw at the wall. Yeah, it's just a just a jar full of like little notes they just pull out one by one. Uh, anyway, uh, John, hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> yes, well, welcome, welcome to the chicken pizza hour. <laughs> Again, we never, we well, never, we always talk about terrible fast food, so it's par for the yeah. course now. 
but it just so happened I was on Twitter and I opened that up as we were starting the show and I had to talk to you about <laughs> it, Matt. Um, but yeah, hey, you know what? Forget the Chizza or Chiza, whatever it is. Forget that. I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with Chizza. I don't want to know about you know terrible fast food. What I want to know is uh, I want to know more about our guest. Ah, so you want to go into the segment called Get to Know Ya, where we get to know our guest. Uh, make sure he's not some robot sent from the future and a real human being. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I say this every week, but I ask this of every guest. What is the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? Star Wars. Ah, uh, the 77, yeah? Yeah, um, I, I remember distinctly seeing it the second time. And I knew it was the second time because I knew that uh, I, I covered my eyes during the Cantina Aliens and told my mom, "Tell me when the when the Cantina Aliens were off the screen so that I could uncover my eyes." Aww. And my in my memory serves that I that was a second viewing, but I don't remember the first viewing. Um, and now it's like I remember the memory more than I remember the the event. Does that make sense? Oh, most definitely. I've told, yeah. the, I've told the story so many times that I remember the story more than I can actually picture myself there. But, um, but yeah, Star Wars. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned this on the show many episodes ago. But I like to count my first time as being Star Wars Special Edition in '97. But really, it was like Flipper in like '96. You know, but. I don't want to count Flip. I don't want to say my stories. Hey, I saw Flipper, and that was the first movie I saw on the big screen. I don't want to say with, that. Uh, with Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> yeah, and um, what's his name? Elijah I've seen Wood. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I saw it in the theater, but I don't want to say that. But yeah, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> we will never see the theatrical version of Star Wars, will we? Like, uh, I mean, like on Blu ray or we, in theaters? Uh, mm, no, no, maybe. Probably not. No. Fingers crossed? Probably not. I, I I I've been hoping for it forever. Everybody has, but it's well, not once happen. you know, hopefully you know. Hey, maybe Fox will go out of business and they'll have a fire sale, and then <laughs> it's, not, it's not happening anytime soon. Uh, it can be arranged. Uh, Marcelo, do you have a question? Yes. Um, how about this, John? Uh, what is your preferred way of watching a movie? Oh, that's it. Depends on the movie, actually. Um, Obviously in a theater, um, but I don't necessarily have to have it be a full theater, uh, especially for horror films. I kind of like to be by myself. The fewer people there are, uh, the the better I like it. Um, okay. You know, comedies, uh, I can give and take a crowd, um, but I worked in movie theaters for, gosh, the better part of like 10 years, and so I've seen a lot of movies by myself in the theater. And that, that may be my preferred method is just, uh, you know, barely anybody in the auditorium uh, that and, you know, dark and nothing else distracting me. Yeah, I, I've i seen plenty of movies by myself and I can say, yeah, I, I kind of feel that way too. Uh, it depends on the movie though. Yeah, like less people the better on some movies, but I do like a big crowd. Like I, I for one, I'm excited to see John Wick 2 with a big audience. In a theater, yes, yeah, should be fun. Uh, like late night Thursday, hopefully I'll go. Um, what about you, Matt? What's your preferred way? Uh, kind of like John, it, it depends on the movie. I mean, I don't uh, with with horror movies. I'm actually the opposite. I like to have a packed crowd, uh, just because I love to hear everyone scream. 
<laughs> I think that's a really fun time. Uh, the past uh, two Conjuring movies that have come out, uh, the entire audience was just howling with with like screams. It was it was an amazing experience. Um, same thing for comedies. I, I kind of like a big crowd for those. Um, any any like uh, like a like a slower film though, I don't really like uh, a big crowd because then you know people are talking over the dialogue and you can't understand the movie. I guess uh, and that's usually why I go to like later night showings, like the last showing of the day, so I can you know basically have the theater to myself. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I I usually go. Uh, when do I usually go? Like uh, if I have the time, like uh, weekday afternoons. Those are always the best for me. Then I then I have the rest of the day to myself. So well, that's the best because you know you're usually the youngest person in the theater by about forty years. <laughs> they are. They're all it's usually. One, it's wonderful. They're usually taking a nap by that point. Yeah. Um, oh, oh boy, it's good times. Do you have another question, Matt? Uh, I do. Uh, since the day we're recording this, uh, my list finally published on TalkFilmSociety.com. I want to ask John, what is your favorite movie of 2016? Oh, of 2016. Oh, Jesus. Um. I I have purged all the releases from my mind. What came out in 2016? Start ABC order. <laughs> oh Jesus! Arrival. That's A. Uh, B. No, didn't, that didn't that didn't crack that didn't crack the top ten. Um, God, I um. Hold on, beaches. hold on, hold on. Be- no, I'm having to actually not. look it up because I can't. I cannot remember what I listed. I literally can't. Oh, um, mine was Handmaiden. Yeah. Um, oh, excellent. And I had moved some stuff around, which is why I couldn't remember, because for the longest time, I had had Green Room as my number one, and that's one where I really enjoyed the theatrical experience. I saw it at Fantastic Fest before it, you know, oh, before nice. it opened, so everybody you know, was kind of pumped and didn't really know what the movie was fully about, um, and that sat in my number one spot until I rewatched it, and then it moved down some. I, I still thought it was, was good, but it wasn't that, like... Uh, you know that that first viewing, I just left the yeah. theater electrified. And when I watched it at home, I was like, it, I still really, I still think it's masterful. But uh, but no, Handmaiden ended up being my number one. Uh, real quick, uh, so you had a really cool crowd for uh, Green Room. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, I've, I've told this on the podcast before, but when I saw it, uh, we sit down in the theater, and then a group of about fifteen uh, teenagers come in. All you know, uh, just a bunch of punks, uh, leather jackets, mohawks, the whole deal. So basically, they had heard, oh, there's this punk rock movie that's out, and they all sang along to the Dead Kennedys song in the theater, and it was the coolest thing ever. That's cool, <laughs> yeah. And I, I might have been in the same theater as you, John, seeing uh, Green Room at Fantastic Fest. Uh, oh yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, I can't remember which screening I went to, but I saw it there, and yeah. Uh, blew everybody away. I definitely was. <clears throat> I can. I distinctly remember the moments. I don't want to spoil it. It's been out for a while, but I mean, pe- people listening who haven't seen it, what are you doing? It's, it's see it. What are you doing with your yeah, lives? What are you doing with your life? It's it's I, pretty good. Last I saw, it was still on Amazon Prime. Uh, so see see it there. Uh, by the blue, I forgot six. Anyway, but the moment like, people have seen it know it. Like the moments where it's like uh, the violence is so extreme that. It takes the, uh, the oh shit moments. Yeah, the entire audience. I just feel the entire audience like cringe. So I'll never, I'll never forget that. That was my first scene, my first screening of uh, Green Room. So yeah, um, as much as I yeah, love as- it, though, it, it didn't crack my top ten. I think it's like in the twenties, maybe. 
It was uh, one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you, The Handmaiden was number four. Yeah. Uh, which I unfortunately missed that when it was in theaters, but I ordered the Blu-ray from Amazon Canada, and it is lovely. <laughs> yes, and congratulations to whoever won that uh, digital code on uh, on Talk Film Society. I don't know who it is yet because we haven't announced it, but congratulations to insert name here. By the time you're listening to this episode, that person is probably has already watched their digital copy. Yes, of we hope the we, we hope you've enjoyed the Handmaiden, courtesy of Matt Curion. Hey, that's mine. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Matt, do you have another question? I do not. I think we've gotten to know John. He has gotten to be known. He's gotten to be known. I think I think uh, that segment is done. Now it's time for the meat of the show. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's time for the meat yes. of the show. You know, like the inside of a sandwich? Yeah, it's the inside of a sandwich. Or like well, a chizza? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like a chizza. It's like the, the sauce, right? It's right before the cheese. Ugh. No. Ugh. And the pineapple. Don't forget the pineapple. Oh, disgusting. Um, we've seen... We've all seen movies, right? But what have we, oh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> movies, what movie are those? Uh, but, you know, uh, one of us has seen a movie that, uh, as of this recording, has not been released yet. That Ooh. the other two, <laughs> <laughs> the other two of us are excited about. Uh, yes, and that's Lego Batman. Uh, John, you saw this, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah I saw tell, it. Uh, tell us all about uh, it. Monday night. Okay, there's this guy. His parents are killed in an alley. <laughs> no, I'm taking and, notes. Hold on. No, actually, it doesn't. Actually, it doesn't even touch on his origin at all. Um, well, that's amazing. I'm already it, sold. It's I love know, it already. Thank God. It's basically. An hour and a half, like nonstop breakneck paced, uh, sort of a robot chicken esque film. Um, it reminded me, you know, in the nineties. I don't know if you guys read Toy Fair. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the little cartoon in the theater. back. Yeah. yeah. And Twisted Toy that. Fair Theater. It's basically that extrapolated into like this weird kind of like sugar rush, throw everything at the wall sort of movie. Um, You've sold I me. Went, I went with a kid. I went with a five-year-old girl who loves superheroes and, and all that kind of stuff. And I have to say, uh, she's pretty bored. Pretty, oh, wow. Pretty disinterested. And I think some of that has to do with the pacing. There's no downtime in the film. There's no, okay. there's no ups and downs. The film starts at 11 and doesn't go anywhere but maintain that, that speed. Jeez. And I think that for her, about 15, 20 minutes of that was enough. And then she got super duper bored. And I would say for me as well, it ends up kind of not feeling like a movie. It ends up sort of feeling like you're watching a YouTube video that won't stop. <laughs> um, oh no! And and yeah, and I and I think you know movies need peaks and valleys, and stories need quiet time. <laughs> you know, there has there have to be like moments where that allow an audience, I think, to catch their breath. Um, uh, you know, so for me, like. It was one of those things where I wouldn't necessarily say that I thought it was a bad movie, but I don't know that I thought it was a movie for me. And and I'm a comic book fan, like I'm a Batman fan, I'm I'm all that stuff. Mm. Um, but same, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was a little too ADD. Well, I'm still excited for it. Have you seen uh, the Lego Movie, John? I did see the Lego Movie. I this think everyone is, did. <laughs> yeah, this is more. This is. More gag heavy, less uh, d- doesn't okay. really have it. It it attempts to have something to say that kind of drives the plot. Is does Batman need the Bat Family or not? 
Um, okay. But there's not really a there's not really any tension in that because you know the answer is yes. Like yes, he does. <laughs> it's not going to end with like no. Uh, you know, uh, so there's not really any tension there. So that really doesn't give the movie any blood. You know, um, whereas Lego Movie I think has bigger themes and especially like the reveal at the end with Will Ferrell. Um, some of that stuff that that kind of helps to uh, elevate it, um, and and that's really missing in Batman. And, and I I don't want to get into like too spoilery a thing, but it felt more crassly commercial than Lego Movie, in that it's not just a commercial for Batman Legos, but for other Lego lines as well. And okay. Batman refers to himself as a master builder, and it's weird to watch Lego characters build things out of Legos, and that's part of the movie too. Um, it's very uh, just not not it, it wasn't for me it should have been for me but it wasn't for me man it was for the guy sitting two seats down from me though because he kept doing that like like when you're a kid and I've never heard an adult do this but things would be funny and it was a laugh of recon- rec- recognition not a laugh of like comedy so he'd see oh. something or there'd be some joke and he would go ah ha ha ah <laughs> oh no he's like that ostrich from uh, Family Guy <laughs> I don't so, so like Batman would say um, like here's just a just a small line that doesn't give anything away is like Joker mentions um, his plan being better than his boat his two boat plan which is like a Dark Knight joke and oh, okay. Ah. And so the guy, so the guy sitting two seats down from me is like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> he so did there was a invoke? lot of, Jeez. dude. I'm telling you, I, <laughs> so it was just it was so it was like 90 minutes of this guy quoting yeah, Captain America saying, and, "I know that reference." <laughs> yeah, and it's like, how do you tell somebody like you're not like I know that you're laughing, but you're not really laughing, and I get that you're getting it, but please shut up, like <laughs> just please just have shut to- up. You just have to scream. That's not how humans laugh. <laughs> we should have that guy on the show. Maybe he'll maybe he'll fail the Voight comp test. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this about Bat, uh, Lego sure. Batman, uh, John. Oh, what about the cast? Is, is, is the voice cast like uh, at all like good? Yeah, um, there's a lot of people in it who don't get a lot to do. So there's more big names than there are big roles because it's pretty much Batman. You know, uh, Robin, Barbara Gordon, played by Rosario Dawson, and Zach Galifianakis's Joker, and that's that is basically the core cast. And even though you've got Jenny Slate and you've got like Doug Benson and you've got all these other like comic talents voicing all of the uh, the Batman rogues, they maybe get one line apiece, and so it is kind of it doesn't really make a difference that they cast Jenny Slate if she's only going to say like two or three things, you know. So, um, I would say out of everybody who gets the most meat out of their like two lines is Doug Benson, who does a spot on Tom Hardy Bane impersonation. Wow, oh, nice! Uh, oh, and, and, and he he makes it worth it just to hear him talk like this in the Lego Movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I are you a fan of uh, Doug Benson's podcasts, John? Uh, yeah, I used to listen to Doug Loves Movies. I haven't listened to it in a good long while. Yeah, I, I, I also have, like, a crazy Doug Benson story, too. Oh, uh, <laughs> if you're okay with telling that, you, you can tell it. But I'll just say real quick, uh, I mean, I just finished an episode of his podcast earlier because I went out for a jog, and I heard 
him say uh, in, in, in almost each and every episode he does a Bane impression so him doing it <laughs> in the Lego movie oh man uh, I mean in the Lego Batman movie man uh, I'm I'm even more excited to see this now because <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan of his and his uh, Bane impression um, would you would you want to tell that Doug Benson story John real quick I I can if, if no police are listening <laughs> yeah we're fine we're fine no nobody's monitoring fan- it was at Fantastic Fest maybe like three years ago and I had never smoked weed ever in my life um, and I was standing in a circle of friends and Doug Benson is in the circle and Doug Benson passes me a joint and I think in my head like if I was ever going to do it now would be the time <laughs> because I'm like short of Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg like Doug Benson handing you a joint yeah. like you kind of you kind of have to right like yeah. you, you can't, you can't say no. And I was like, I need this at least for the story. Like I need to be able to tell people that the first time I smoked out was because Doug Benson handed me a joint, and so that's exactly what happened. He passed, he passed the joint, and I took a hit and lost my uh, weed virginity to Doug Benson. And now I've got a story I can tell on podcast. There you go. <laughs> that is actually really awesome. Yeah, that is a perfect Doug Benson story. Um, Okay, because you're right. He's he's one of those people that you, you can't just be like, no, I'm I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you only get that opportunity like once in a lifetime. <laughs> can't yeah. pass that up. Uh, but yeah, Lego Batman. I mean, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, John. Uh, it, it, I've heard like nothing but praise so far. I know. No, but I do want to. Okay. It's one I of those want to ask I a feel question. bad about. I feel bad about being down on it because I know everybody's loving it. Like, I've seen people say it's one of the best Batman films. I just, you know, I, I one, I don't agree with that. And two, it's it's such a slight movie that it makes me feel bad that I don't like it when other people do. It's one of those kind of weird ones where it's like, oh, okay. you know, a lot of times I don't give a crap whether or not I don't like something. But this one, I feel like a party pooper. You had a question, Matt? I do. Um, I just want, I would just want to ask you, uh, Billy D. Williams. If I've been waiting close to thirty years to hear him, see him as Two Face, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, I, you hear he has two lines. You hear one of them in the trailer. So, oh, Damn. well, I haven't seen the trailers, so <laughs> oh, well, I get to hear both of them in the movie. <laughs> well, I uh, I'm still going to go see it, and you know, it, sometimes it's good to have like these uh, opposing views, so you can just be. You know, sometimes I come in with like too high of expectations, so it's okay to yeah. So you don't go in overhyped, yeah, which is always a good to thing. Be leveled out, it's fine. Uh, still excited to see it, uh, but for me, John Wick Two is priority, and then this, then Lego Batman. Here's 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 a thought. Lego Movie was more than what it looked like. Lego Batman is exactly what it looks like. Okay, so, okay, yeah, that's fair. If yeah. that makes sense, yeah, makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. makes total sense. Um, speaking of fair. Uh, Speak, speaking of uh, speaking of Batman villains, uh, we all saw the Super Bowl uh, this past week, where Lady Gaga dressed up as a Batman villain, uh, and I watched Any Given Sunday instead. <laughs> Any Given Sunday, uh, a classic, according to you, right, Matt? I honestly do think this is a classic. Um, I it's my, it's been my tradition for a few years now to watch this on Super Bowl Sunday or Super Bowl weekend. And uh, it was actually um, one of my first Oliver Stone films when I was younger, uh, growing up watching this. And I preferred this fictional football story to real football because it has Al Pacino in it. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, no, seriously, I do like this thing. Uh, it's really, it's, uh, it's a. You could easily describe it as a cool movie. Uh, it's got everything that a good movie needs. I mean, you have a great villain with Cameron Diaz because she's just, you know, as they say in the movie, she would eat her own children. Um, it has some fun cameos from uh, people who played in the league. Uh, it has uh, Al Pacino going uh, full blast. Uh, in this, uh, it has a uh, early Jamie Foxx uh, performance, which is actually really good, and it has Dennis Quaid. And he's always reliable, and I enjoy him. So yeah, I I like um, Any Given Sunday quite a bit. Uh, I actually got to write about it for the website, uh, and you can go look that up because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, talkfromsociety dot com, and then search Any Given Sunday. Um, uh, John, have you seen this movie? I have not seen this movie. Uh, I, let me ask you this: Are you a fan of uh, Oliver Stone at all? I yes, ish. Um, I, I don't think that he's quite one of those guys. There's certain directors, you know, that it's like even if you don't like their films, you still are glad you watched it in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't think Stone is there for me in that like echelon of like, say, a David Lynch, where it's like, I know I'm going to see something that's interesting and has a stamp on it. I, Stone's Failures, I think, are too too big of a failure. Um, Alexander, <laughs> to, to, yeah, to kind of elevate him up into there. Um, but I would say generally, I mean, he, he's made he's made more than one masterpiece, so you can't really like. I'm not gonna dog him. <laughs> yeah, he's better than the Lego Movie. No, he's, <laughs> he's better than Cheetza. Um, Most things are. Yeah. Um, it just, I think my general disinterest in football, uh, I, there's a lot of classic football movies that I haven't seen, mostly because I don't I don't care about football. So there's a lot of them that I haven't seen. That That's just another on a long list of football movies that John hasn't seen. Yeah, I, I'm with you, John. I, I don't care for the sports. I only, I only game I watch every year is the Super Bowl just because it's... I guess he can't escape it. Uh, and then the commercials. The commercials, yeah. Well, whatever. But um, <laughs> I haven't seen any given Sunday. I'm right now. I'm trying to come up with football movies I have seen. I've seen Remember the Titans. I remember enjoying that. The Last Boy didn't Scout. Didn't see that. Didn't oh, see Friday Night Live. Last didn't Boy see Scout. Brian's song. Yeah. La- La- yeah. I saw Last Boy Scout. <laughs> that yeah. That that counts as a football movie. There's football at the beginning and the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that totally counts as a football movie. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Uh, here's a transition. Speaking of football, uh, let's go to the next movie. I, oh God! <laughs> I saw um, this man, and I wrote about this for the website. And this pro- this is probably the only time I write about football, uh, like ever. I <laughs> saw a little documentary called "This Was the XFL." Uh, it's the new Thirty for Thirty documentary, and uh, what an XFL it was! <laughs> it's currently streaming uh, over at ESPN. Um, if you have the ESPN app on Apple TV, uh, it is very hard to find. I I don't like that app. Uh, <laughs> I, I it's I it's of course it's for like sports fans because all they have there is like live streams of this college game or this yeah uh, whatever game NBA whatever. And for you know documentary fans like me, <laughs> they make it really hard to find the thirty for thirty documentaries. But I found it so. Yes, it's it's streaming. I I'll just say I recommend it if you're if you are at all interested in this oddity that was the XFL. I remember the XFL. Yeah, uh, it was a weird time, man. Uh, the, it was a weird time to be alive back then. Like 16 years ago, when Vince McMahon. Now, 
The, yeah, what is the XFL? <laughs> if you don't know, yeah, the XFL, uh, the it was an idea Vince McMahon had, the owner of the WWE. Uh, he was like, I want a a better version of the NFL. I want a football league that is more fun, uh, more sultry, uh, and just sultry, r- <laughs> rougher. Just every just he wanted just he wanted it better. He wanted he wanted a sensationalized version of the NFL. So he picked up his kids from the arcade once, and they were playing NFL Blitz. And he's like, <laughs> I want that to be real life. <laughs> so he announced it a, a year before, like launching it, a year before the first game. Without and nothing was planned. Without it, yeah, it's it's a, uh, just by watching this, you learn all these insane facts about the XFL. He announced it a year before with no plans, like no no like uh, network TV plans. No stadium, uh, you know, deals. No, nobody signed on. No players, and in a year's time, he got everything together, uh, and the XFL was launched, and it was a complete failure. Uh, the first game had massive ratings. Uh, it seemed like it was going to be a success. Then the second game, um, <laughs> didn't the power is, go out? The, yeah, this is one crazy story they told. The power went out. About twenty minutes, twenty minutes into the you know second game, the, the second week game, you know, a pivotal moment for the XFL. The power went out because somebody didn't put gas in a generator, <laughs> and from there, just more the, the ratings went down. People were saying it's nothing but like they were like um, sexualizing the cheerleaders, like basically shoving the cameras in their crotches. It was uh, all a work. We it, all got it was all a work. But yeah, it's. It went on for ten weeks for a full season, and then uh, NBC said uh, the, the, the the network partners that were airing this. They were like, "That's it. We're done. This is it, we don't want this anymore. This, this experiment does not work." So, I always felt like that that XFL would have uh, one of the things that I thought really crippled it was they would cut away to other games within a game. So you didn't watch a game like you would a normal football game. It would cut across like two or three other games going on at the same time, and I always thought there's no way for anybody to get like a real foothold on what teams they like and stuff like that if yeah. you're not treating it like the other. And I, I get that it's because it only had the one week slot, so they were trying to cram in as many of the different teams as possible. But I think it it's that's not the way people are trained to watch sports. You don't watch like three baseball games at the same time or three football yeah. <laughs> games at the same time or whatever. So. I, I really felt like that was a creative decision that worked to cripple it pretty quickly. Yeah, because the oh, yeah. ratings were there. I felt like the hunger was there for it, but even the format of that first, you know, they would they would cut away, and I think those I think those cutaways hurt it. Yeah, and and, and I mean, there's probably more than that, but I, I I always thought that was a weird decision. A, a a good thing about the doc is for like non-football fans like me who know like the 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 most basic things about football. Um, yeah, you learn something because uh, the XFL basically they wanted like a rough and tumbler type of football yeah. uh, action going on, and uh, according to this documentary, they really laid it out. They said, you know, if you do that, then the points won't. The, 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 you won't have any like high scoring uh, games because there are no rules. Basically, like people <laughs> want to see a team score. Other uh, otherwise, it's just a boring game. So that, yeah. that that was a big turnoff. People didn't want to see like nothing happen uh, in a game. So yeah, Vince McMahon will not rest until everyone in America has a concussion. That's, that's <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, it's goal. Oh, okay. And and one last you know quick quick crazy fact about this. 
Uh, they... I used to own an XFL football. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's your crazy fact. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll give you a football. I'll give you an, an XFL football fact about about those footballs, Matt. They had okay. to sand those down because <laughs> when they were wet, they were slippery. So they had to physically take each and every XFL football and take a sander and just, you know, just just sand those bad boys down. Jesus. It was crazy. And then they took away the coin toss and they had a a run to the ball, right? <laughs> yes. 60% of the people running to that ball in the before the game even started, they would get injured and they'd be out for the season. So <laughs> It was a debacle. I mean, that's not funny, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, and one last thing I'll say. They talk Coin about, tosses are boring. Sprint for it. <laughs> they they talk about Dick Ebersol a lot because he yeah. he became a 50-50 partner with with Vince McMahon. Uh, Dick Ebersol was the head of uh, uh, NBC Sports. So And they were they had, uh, they had been friends, or they're still friends. Uh, they've been friends for years. Um, and it uh, and I should say the documentary was... was uh, Directed by Dick Ebersol's son, so there's like a personal touch to it. Interesting. And it's yeah, it's more like a love story, a friendship story between these two, uh, a bromance, if yeah, you will. Yeah. The ending of the documentary has uh, Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon sitting down in present day and discussing, you know, what went, what what went wrong, and 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 also <laughs> well, and also well, th- well, Vince, you had people run for the ball, <laughs> and also they were they were slightly te- uh, slightly teasing that they might bring. The XFL or something else to that equivalent uh, back. They would they would do something with. Uh, give me give me the extreme hockey league where it's nothing but hockey fights. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, again, thirty for thirty. They've they've outdone themselves again. I really enjoy this documentary. So they make sports interesting for me. That's the only the only time I care about sports is is this. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, let me ask John. Let me ask you this: Are you a fan of thirty for thirty and their documentaries? I've seen a couple of them, and I've liked what I've seen. I, I think the first one I ever watched was the Scott Hall, uh, you know, speaking of wrestling and, and oh yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. I think the the Scott Hall one was the first thing that got on my radar, and I've watched a couple others since then, but I couldn't tell you what they were, and I've enjoyed them. Yeah, and of course we have the big one, uh, OJ Made in America. Yep, yep. Um, and Matt, I mean, it, that placed in your top ten, right? That was number two. That was number two. Actually, number two. That was in my almost honor- number one. <laughs> my uh, in my honorable mentions uh, for last year. Uh, I've been wanting to rewatch it, but of course, it's like seven and a half hours long. So I've seen it two times so far, and oh, I'm geez, working on my uh, third time. That's you. You are a machine. It's great. I just I, I just love it so much. Like, speaking of football and things you love, uh, you saw something. Yes. I, 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 I've been wanting to hear your opinion about this since I, I saw you mention it online. But uh, you yes, s- you rewatched Billy Lynn's long time, short time. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, uh, the new Ang Lee movie, and I was able to get the 4K Blu-ray for this. Um, when I saw it in theaters, I was only able to see it in standard uh, frame rate. Um, which still, even then, it was a gorgeous-looking picture. It was very crisp, uh, very immediate. Um, the 4K disc uh, features the movie at 60 frames per second. Um, this is something that no studio has ever done before for a home video release, uh, for like a feature uh, feature film. Uh so I watched this last night in 4K at 60 frames per second, and I was completely blown away. It it is one of the most intense uh, film experiences I've 
ever had at home or, or otherwise. Um, you basically feel like these people are in my... They, they felt like they were in my living room. It was kind of weird at first. Like, Steve Martin was staring at me, yelling at me in my face. And I don't know, the, the high frame rate, I don't think it's going to work for every movie. Uh, I don't think it would work for every movie. But I think Ang Lee was smart using it with this movie because high frame rate is usually associated with sports and to have it set you know during a halftime show during a football game uh i think works to the film's advantage and uh i really love this thing uh it 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 actually it made my honorable mentions for 2016 i love this movie and if listeners have a 4k player and a capable tv i encourage you to get this disc uh it is uh this will be your new reference demo disc that you put on for people like hey check out my tv look at this thing uh it's it's awesome i i loved it yeah i i like the movie when it when it came out and i i don't have a 4k tv but from everything you've just said uh if i do eventually get a 4k tv i think this disc will be uh one of the first things i buy yeah so. it's 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 a beautiful transfer and that high frame rate you feel it. <laughs> you yeah. notice it. Yeah, because uh, we, we talked about this when it came out. It's a shame that they didn't release this in more theaters in in the in the high frame rate format. Which is it, it's crazy because when this in the in a few theaters, this actually played in 120 frames per second. Yeah, yeah. Which is twice what I saw it in, and that that would that would have that probably would have freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be too real. Um, Kristen Stewart would be sitting on my couch. I'd be I'd be freaking out. Would you be freaking out if that happened? If if Kristen Stewart uh, were on your couch, I would probably just ask her to sign uh, a bunch of movies of mine, <laughs> even even ones even ones she wasn't in. Uh, be like no. be like I'd I'd like you to sign Clouds of Sils Maria, but could you sign Nashville just because? <laughs> uh, John, um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna guess you haven't seen Billy Lynn because not many people in America saw it. I did not see Billy Lynn, and I actually, uh, I think the marketing for the movie was absolutely terrible. Yeah, it was um, pretty bad. I think that the, it, you, I don't think they did a good job conveying what the movie was about. It, the trailers were just a series of quasi patriotic images while people cried, um, yeah. and then and then the sort of still that they released that ran with like every single article about the film was that one picture of the lead actor's face with tears in his eyes. They just—it was a—it didn't—they did nothing to make that movie look uh, interesting, and then, you know, a big portion of the conversation was dominated by the technical talk. Um, so I think I think marketing really uh, screwed the pooch on on that one. Oh yeah. Uh, if it was good and you feel like it, especially if it was good and you feel like it missed its audience. Um, which it, it may very well have, and in that case, I, I just I, there was nothing about the the promotion of that film that that sold it to me. I mean, other than Ang Lee being, you know, a, a capable director, short of that, there was nothing else about it that was that was selling me. Yeah, it's definitely a hard sell. I say that. It's, yeah, it's a very hard sell. Yeah, um, it's. It even right now it's hard for me to describe. It's 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 a anti it's a poetic anti-war movie. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. How can you sell a movie where the, a major portion of it is Vin Diesel, essentially talking to the camera, saying "I love you, I love you, <laughs> I love you." Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a pretty easy sell for, for me <laughs> and people. a bunch of other people. <laughs> 
but yeah, uh, I I I really hope that it it finds an audience eventually. So uh, do I. I think there are people already kind of like getting on it, uh, kind of defenders of it. They're, they're out there already. I mean, Matt. It's me. Yeah, <laughs> you are one of the lead ones. And, yeah, me, and me. me too. I, I like it. I I would love to see it in high frame rate. You know, someday you should come over. I should. I'll I'll fly up to New Jersey. <laughs> I will. just to just to watch this movie, and then, fly and then right I'll back. drive you, and then I'll drive you back to the airport, and you can go home. <laughs> Thank you for providing that service. Uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, but that's Billy Lynn. Okay, uh, that's got zero Oscar nominations this year, right? which is crazy. Not a single one. Uh, I would I would have expected cinematography less than Suicide at least Squad. Just Jeez. for the, the <laughs> tech. Suicide oh, squad. yeah. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, it's painful. Uh, but hey, you know, a movie that got many Oscar nominations. It's a little movie. It got all, all of the nominations. Everything. It tied, it, it, right? It tied like the most Oscar nominations so, for yeah. a single picture. La La Land. Yay. <laughs> you, uh, haven't you. I, I, haven't you guys talked about La La Land before? We I'm have. Sure. I, I feel like the other time I listened to the show, you guys talked about La La Land. It seems like... You should, just, <laughs> you should bring it back every episode. It feels like we've talked about it maybe every... Like, the last, like, four episodes, maybe? Which, <laughs> I, hey, I'm hey, I'm fine with that. Matt is not fine with that. I know, I know that for a fact. It's, it's okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> I love La La Land. You... Okay, I... I, I it I, totally I, made my top... I bet no. It, it, it totally made my top thirty. I, maybe I, I got a little mad at you last episode, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I think I just I think I told you to fuck off when you said I think so when you put it in your uh, it's in your thirty spot or something. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Something like that. It's fine. Yeah. So I I, I want to hear John's opinion on it because John, <laughs> you recently watched this right about a week and a half ago, right? Yeah, I did. Um, so I appreciated the. Uh, I have been in a similar situation and could relate to it. I've been in a situation where I was in a relationship and it was a... Can I cuss on this show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. It was, Fuck a, yeah. it, was a, it was a shit or get off the pot situation where it was like she could see that I wasn't going to be able to do any of the things that I wanted to do if I stayed in the relationship and stayed in Southeast Georgia and the relationship ended and since then I mean she was right like I've gone on and acted and been in movies and all this kind of stuff that I had wanted to do at that time um, and so I could relate to that um, that struck a personal chord with me and if that if that kind of wasn't what the second half of the movie was about I don't know that it would have left any real impression on me Um but I could I could directly relate to that sort of like bittersweet uh, if you love something let it go kind of uh, kind of climax to the to the film. Um, I did not think that as a musical I was surprised at how <laughs> I don't think there's been enough ink spilt on uh, on how how weak Ryan Gosling's voice is as a singer. Um, and I didn't really none of the songs other than. Um, Emma Stone's song that she sings uh, at the audition. Yeah, her bombshell moment. Yeah, I didn't think any of the songs really, like, they weren't really transportive or anything like that. It wasn't, a, you know, I had a, I saw a friend on Facebook, and they were talking about Moana and Sing, Sing Street being better musicals than La La Land, and I, 
I agree in regards to if you're just judging the music, like I think that the songs are better in both Sing Street and Moana. Um, I, I didn't really dig the songs in La La Land. And, it, and the other thing, too, is like labeling the musicals weird because there's like, what, four songs in the whole thing, which is also kind of weird. I kind of, I sort of wish they would have gone all one way or not. It's odd to go 15, 20 minutes without a song and then get a song and then another 15 or 20 minutes without a song. That's it, a weird pace to keep for a musical. Yeah, I hear. I, I've I've heard that complaint online recently, um, which is my complaint. Uh, but I'll say this: I saw it again. This, this is my third time seeing it. I saw it in IMAX uh, at the Bob Bullock Museum here in Austin. Uh, it's showing here. Uh, by the time this is out, it's it's gone. It's it was limited. <laughs> it was a limited engagement for a week only. So it it ran with all the Nazi propaganda that's over at the Bob Bullock right now. So it was like part. Was it all part of the same thing? Like, hey, white people, oh, Jesus. we've got a. We, the museum is filled with uh, our Nazi propaganda yeah. exhibit. And while you're here, you get a free ticket please, to La La Land. Please take in La La, La Land. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait, is this a real thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob Bullock's, Bob Bullock's running a uh, an exhibit on uh, Nazi propaganda art. Yeah, timely. It, it, it just so happens that that's going on, and yes, La La Land is playing in the next room. Yes, hey, would you get a free ticket to La La Land? Uh, but La La Land, I mean, it's about a I white mean, guy. Check who, out, check out this authentic SS jacket, but also watch Ryan Gosling sing. Uh, yeah, it's like, a, what? It's about a it's about a white guy and appropriation, and he's he's trying to save jazz. So. <laughs> See now, and that that's the criticism that I have that. That's the criticism I'll criticize because I don't think that the film is about. I think it has to be jazz because it has to be something that's like. It's it has to be something that one is musical because the film's a musical, mm-hmm. and it has to be something like esoteric that makes his dreams sort of a pipe dream, yeah. and also that other people really aren't into, and also makes him kind of an underdog in the arena of. So there's a lot of that the, him being a white jazz guy that I feel like is it's sort of intrinsic to the plot. Um, I think some of those criticisms about a white guy saves jazz, which is like a really uh, it's reductive. Yeah, and it, and, it, and I don't think that's the film. I don't think it's about him quote unquote saving jazz at all. It's not like the movie ends with you know a montage of him climbing the Billboard charts, <laughs> like <laughs> anything like that. You know, he just opens his bar. It's what he wants to do the whole yeah. film. He wants to open his bar. So, um, uh, but I, I, yeah, I feel like that's part and parcel because you can't really. What are you going to replace it with? Like, what kind of music can you replace it with that that kind of checks the same boxes that the film needs it to check? Yeah, I, I'm K- totally with you, John. Because it- K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> And that would have been something. Um, that would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, but just just knowing some of uh, what what Damien Chazelle, like his backstory, like he uh, he recently uh, got divorced back you know about two years ago, and uh, I can just see that this is a, Jesus, and he's young. Yeah, this is a personal. I, I can I can see that this is like a personal film uh, for him in, 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 on some level, and yeah, okay, he, yeah. He he put in jazz, like you were saying, John, just to make it you know to connect it to music and. And have it all flow together, but it could have it could have easily been like in real life. Like I don't know. Uh, I was, as 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 I was watching it, you know, last night, I was like thinking, like, what could it really be? Like movies, like because I, uh, I'm I'm with you, John. This kind of hit me personally. I've talked about this on the show, um, and I think this is why it's my personal 
number one of the year from last year. Because on a personal level, yes, like I have been in a relationship kind of like that, where you know replace jazz with movies, and that's me, you know, talking to my ex. Like you know, this is why you have to love this movie, or this is why you have to do this and this and that. I, I will say that I love that one line in the movie where she's like, I don't like jazz. And he's like, what do you mean you don't like jazz? Yeah. Well, you know, when I listen to it, I don't like it. <laughs> you tell me you don't like, uh, you know, uh, David Lynch movies? Why? Why? <laughs> I have, I've, I've had that conversation. Because when I watch them, I don't like them. <laughs> uh, and she hated Blue Velvet. Anyway, that's my ex. Uh, but uh, Oh, God. What, Blue Velvet. No, that, no. Let's forget that. I'll cut that out. Um, oh no! I I quoted Blue Velvet to a three year old today. Oh, that's right. What what was it that you said to the to to that kid? Okay, this this little kid had a like like a fake human ear. What? And I and I bring out her her lunch, which is you know the kid's chicken fingers and fries platter, and I just stare at the table, and I look at the mother and I go, "That's a human ear, all right." <laughs> and, and I was. And she's like, "Oh yeah, my 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 husband works with hearing aids, so he gave her the the fake ear that he uses because she liked it." And I'm like, "Oh jeez." I was like, "That's an awesome kid, lady." <laughs> I thought maybe Matt was at a playground and heard a three year old going, "Mommy, mommy," and he's like, "Oh, that kid, that kid's quoting Blue Velvet." And he like ran over there and was like. Pap's Blue Ribbon, all that rest of it, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I had a fun day at work. But, yes, go on. Uh, La La Land, I love it. I, that's it. Uh, oh, nah. And I believe it's pronounced, I believe it's pronounced Damien Chaza. Chaza? <laughs> Chaza. I think you're right, John. Chaza. Uh, but good old, good old Mr. Ch- Chazelle. Um, Chaz- Mr. Whiplash. Mr. Whiplash. I, Mr. I, I, Grand I, Piano himself. I, uh, okay. Seeing on the big screen, uh, glorious, huge screen, sound incredible. I can say it, it, it's it's like a it's like a messy film. It's not perfect. Like when you when you stand it next to Whiplash, it's it's not as technically proficient. Not as tight. Nope. Um, but for some, uh, I guess for the reasons I've I've mentioned previous, for me, like I love it. It's a personal favorite of mine now. Um, I can see myself putting it up. With another personal favorite, Scott Pergram versus the world. So uh, that's that was my revelation seeing it for the third time. So yeah, huh. that's that's me in La La Land. So I'm sorry, Matt. I love it so I, much. I know I you, probably you, I probably yeah. said this last week, but it's a good movie. It's a terrible musical. <laughs> I get it, and I, yeah, and I was I was saying it before. I I, I get that that complaints. There there aren't enough. Like real songs in it, yeah, showstoppers. Like they have like two, like big ones in the beginning, and then yeah. there are musical moments throughout. But songs, no, uh, they, they needed just a few more songs to fill in. I mean, these are the, the these middle. are the guys that did did the music for Smash. I expected a little more out of yeah, them. Yeah, just a bit more. But I uh, hey, you know, I I still like those musical moments. But yeah, I I, I get that there should have been real good songs there in the middle. But yeah, that's La La Land. I'm sure this is not going to be the last time we talk about it. It's <laughs> at this it's another point, day of sun. Yeah, at this point, it's primed to get the Best Picture Oscar, and it's Ugh. and <laughs> I know, Matt. And I'll mention this real quick: if you haven't voted in the Talk Film Society Awards, I suggest you do. Um, it's nominated along with several other films uh, in the best film category. Well, Including uh, The Handmaiden. The Handmaiden is nominated at the Talk Film Society Awards. Uh, 
the aforementioned Sing Street is nominated. Silence. See the long list of 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 all the best film nominees and also other films in other categories. Go to talkfromsociety.com slash vote TFS awards. Vote in those. The deadline is in about two weeks. Yeah, you guys still have time. Uh, okay. Speaking of best films of the year. Uh, yes. L. Um, I got the chance to see this uh, last week uh, in a theater. Lovely, uh, lovely little theater called the, uh, the, the Bowtie Cinema in Red Bank, New Jersey, uh, where they have an old-timey popcorn machine, and tickets are super cheap, and it's a really nice little, like, small theater. I, I enjoy that place. Um, this is one of my favorite films from last year. It actually came up at number five uh, for me. Uh, it's good to have Paul Verhoeven back. I'll say that much. I mean, it had been a few years since he had made a movie, and I know that everyone is, you know, heaping praise on everyone like, uh, you know, uh, Emma Stone and Natalie Portman, but I think Isabel Huppert gives the best performance of 2016, uh, female or otherwise. Uh, She really brings the world around her to its knees in this film. And it's not, it's certainly not a comfortable watch. I mean, you know that going like two seconds into this movie, but it's an intense experience. I love, I love everything about this movie. I love the, I love uh, the character development that goes on. I love that she has a shady past that they don't really touch on all that much. I mean, they give you hints and clues about what happened. Um, but she carries this picture, and it's the, her and the supporting cast uh, lift this above what could have been not so great. But in capable hands, this kind of story works, and it works here. I, I love this. Yeah, it, I think I mentioned this maybe two episodes or last episode ago. I need to rewatch it. Uh, it's one of those where the first viewing, I, I appreciate it. Like a lot, I I love uh, uh, Hooper's performance, uh, yeah. but as a film, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to get through, and I need just a, a second yeah. viewing to really cement my feelings on it. Because I, uh, yeah, I, I'll say that I, I need. A second and watching viewing. it a watching it a second time, just like what happens with a lot of Verhoeven films, I picked up on the comedy a lot more. Yeah, some of it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of it's some of it's pretty pretty funny. Like when she uh, destroys that guy's bumper, she's like, "Hey, someone hit your car!" And he's like, "Oh, somebody." She's like, "Meh." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's 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 pretty funny at times. The, John, did you get a chance to see this movie? No. When it came down to, I'm in the Austin Film Critics Association, and I was kind of weak on foreign films, and voting was happening right around the corner. And I had two screeners in hand. I had L and I had Tony Erdman. And I watched Tony Erdman instead of L. And I love Tony Erdman, and I've heard great things about L, but I still haven't gone back and watched that screener for L. Yeah, I I need to watch Tony Erdman. Like I really, I really do. I need to. I I do need to check that out uh, eventually. It's it's best. I didn't know anything about it at all, and I think it's best that way. If you if you already know what the premise is, then it's then I I think it's not necessarily that it's ruined for you, but not knowing okay. what the premise was and watching the movie when the actual plot happened, I was like, oh wow, like we're we're gonna be in for some fun. I've um, seen like a I've seen a thirty second trailer for it, and that's that's it. Uh, it's basically something with fake teeth. That's what I saw <laughs> in the in that little YouTube clip. I was like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll watch this. 
uh, especially with that remake happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me let me ask you that, John. Since since you're the only one among us who has seen Tony Erdman, how do you feel about that casting news? Uh, the, they're remaking it. Uh, Anna McKay and Will Ferrell are producing it, and they got Jack Nicholson and Kristen Wiig to to play the leads in it. How do you feel about that, John? Uh, I'm I really like Nicholson. I like Wig as well. Um, I think it's I think that cast is really really good for it. Um, I don't know what the American version looks like because I feel like the European version is very European. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like the U.S. is going to go broad. It is funny. It is a comedy, but it's not a comedy comedy. And I I would feel like the U.S. version would would swing way, way wider with some of the gags. Um, But I don't know. I hope not. I feel if they get the right director, I would be 100% on board. But, I mean, I'm already on board because, come on, Jack's back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the the premise of it is high concept enough for it to go dumb. Uh, Not that I think that McKay and Farrell always make dumb movies. I mean, Farrell himself has made some really interesting choices. As has Kristen Wiig, who kind of... Kristen Wiig, I, I don't think, gets enough credit for... She basically sat out... She could have had a golden ticket after Bridesmaids to make whatever kind of comedy she wanted. Yeah. And instead, she she just decided she wanted to play interesting roles in indie stuff. And she did that for, like, you know, three, four years before she hit on Ghostbusters. You know, and it, it's... So, I have I have confidence in the talents involved. I just... I have trouble picturing the translation in my head. Yeah, um, I I would think it'd be kind of similar to because uh, they were talking about this for years ago, and I don't know where what stage it's at now. But they wanted to remake Clown. I think Danny yeah. uh, Danny McBride, I think, was like in talks for that. And yeah, what I, is Clown? That's the. Uh, but I think. Uh, go ahead, John. I was going to say, but I think Clown is more. Clown is much closer to. Our comedy, like Clown, is much closer to. I mean, it's dirty, but it the rhythms of it are close to something like The Office or Kirby Enthusiasm. It's not, it's not a completely different beast. Tony Erdman is strange, and it's very, very long, and it's more serious than it is funny. But the funny parts are funnier because of how serious it is. Yeah, uh, uh, a Matt Clown is the Danish comedy uh, released here in the states by Drafthouse Films. A uh, real, real raunchy. It, it's, uh, it's yeah. I, uh, that's like one part I don't think American, the, uh, a potential American version would, would you know, translate as well in just how raunchy and there's just like so many male genitals in in these movies in clown and and the and the clown, clown with a K. Yeah, with a with a K. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, they're funny. They're they're hilarious. Uh, the first one especially. Yeah, first. I thought story. you were. I, th- I thought you were talking about the horror movie, and I'm like, what? That, that's a thing. It happened. <laughs> no, they're, they're they, remaking it as a comedy. They <laughs> they took that Aqua Teen episode and turned it into a horror movie. You didn't. You don't know this. Uh, but yeah. Um, hey, I, I I will. I I can't wait to see the original Tony Erdman and uh, just the, the cast alone. I like you were saying, John. Um, Kristen Wiig. Like she could have done anything else, but she did. Like Welcome to Me, Skeleton Twins. She, she kind of did what she wanted for a while in, in the, the Martian <laughs> the Martian oh that's right she was in the Martian uh, like not typical what you'd expect from like a comedian coming off of Saturday Night Live exactly so uh, I love her I love Kristen Wiig so 
I'm, I'm excited for it without even having seen uh, the, the original. I'm excited for the remake, just the cast alone. So, hey, that was L. <laughs> that was a tangent. Uh, what, what about... I'm trying to think of a transition. We mentioned horror, right? Speaking of horror... Speaking uh, of horror... <laughs> uh, this movie... Uh, God, this movie. Is this a horror movie? Or is this just... Kinda? Kinda. What is this movie? What is people Jaws die 4? And people, people die violent deaths. It's the revenge, Marcella. Jaws 4. That's what Jaws 4 is. Is the revenge. Uh, John, you saw this, right? Recently? I saw this, I saw this as recently as uh, today. <laughs> so... Before for the before for the first time, right? Yeah, Matthew and I were talking, and there was a comedian in the '90s, the late Richard Jenny, who um, had a set where a big chunk of the joke was about Jaws four and how bad Jaws four was and how stupid it was, <laughs> and I think that kind of like became sort of like the Lewis Black uh, candy corn thing where everybody just started repeating it. Yeah, candy corn sucks, and it was like well, I never really heard people that against candy corn until Lewis Black. Did his candy corn bit? Yeah, and so I expected Jaws four because it has a reputation of being just like god awful, unwatchable garbage. And I actually thought it was just a sequel. It was it was perfectly fine. Um, it, I thought it was shot better than part three. It's kind of dull, but I didn't think it was nearly as bad as I'd heard. Uh, so I'm here to re- repair the reputation of Jaws for the Revenge. <laughs> Finally. Somebody's doing so. Finally, it's, it's time it be. It's time it gets a reevaluation. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt, I think we discussed this several episodes ago. Right? Uh, over not. the summer, when I did my Jaws marathon. That's yes. right. Yeah, I cannot remember this movie at all. Uh, isn't Michael Caine in it? Yes, Michael Caine is in it. Lance Guest from The Last Starfighter is in it. Uh, you have Mario Van Peebles That's doing right. like a, a Bahamanian patois, so everything he says is like. Hey man, we're going to kill the shark, man. Like that sort of thing, uh, and it's it's kind of like it. I get like it's it's a hard sell simply because it's like oh here's Brody's wife, and the plot is sort of she's lost her husband now she's lost another kid, and she's trying to pick up the pieces of her life, and so she goes and lives with her other son who's doing like uh, ocean research. And she meets this guy who's a pilot who flies people around to these little islands in the Bahamas. She starts to, like, kind of wonder, hey, can I rebuild my life again? And meanwhile, like, a shark pops up every, like, 20, 25 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but but I did not think it was... Having rewatched three recently, I think three swings bigger and then misses bigger. I think Jaws 4's ambitions are kept really low and because of that I, th- I think it's just fine I, I would never say it's good I wouldn't recommend anybody go see it like it's not a very, it doesn't hold a candle to Jaws but it was not nearly like one of those like one of the worst movies ever made which is sort of what it gets lumped into and, I, and again I think it goes back to Richard Jenny's comedy yeah, <laughs> I don't the, think anybody uh, gave Richard it Richard Jenny a uh, the yeah. platypus man yes yeah <laughs> Yeah, I I saw this on like a drunken bender like years ago. Uh, it was on Netflix, and just me and my friend just watched it. I yeah, uh, I remember bits and parts. I remember more about Jaws three than than Jaws four, The Revenge. Uh, I haven't seen Jaws four in a long time, but I specifically remember the shark roaring like a lion at the end. 
<laughs> oh jeez, I need to rewatch this. I think I think John's what's what's more what's more egregious, guys? A shark roaring like a lion or in in Deep Blue Sea when the sharks have facial expressions. <laughs> that's probably the facial yeah, expressions. That's a close one, yeah. <laughs> Okay, now I need to rewatch uh, Deep Blue Sea. They now furrow I just, their brows now I just have... like cartoon sharks. They, they get mad. They could get mad faces in Deep Blue Sea. Oh God! Uh, uh, now I just have that LL Cool J music video going through my head. My body's like that's that's going to start the episode, Matt. That song. That uh, song, yes, yeah. please. Uh, well, what is that lyric he says? Deepest bluest. Yeah, like a shark's fin. Deepest bluest. My head is like a shark's fin. Oh, uh, I will say Jaws four. I mean, I'll, I'll repeat this quote until I die. It's one of my favorite things that Michael Caine has ever said. Uh, he says, "I have never seen it, but by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I've seen the house that it built, and it's terrific." <laughs> oh, Michael Caine, good, good man, missing his uh, Oscar acceptance speech because he was filming Jaws four. <laughs> One one fact I, I learned through research this past week is Michael Caine is one of the few actors who has been nominated, I think, since the 60s through the 2000s. He's been nominated every decade uh, oh, wow. for an Oscar, So, along with Jack Nicholson. So, yeah, good for Michael Caine. Well, uh, maybe Jack Nicholson will get his next nomination in a year or so. Possibly. <laughs> we shall see. Um, so there's no transition for this. Uh, yeah, there's literally no transition. Jaws 4 to I Am Not Your Negro. Uh, Damn, okay. I'm just going to jump into it. So, this is, I'll just cut to the chase, one of the best documentaries I've seen in like the last few years. I wish I, I had seen this before I made my top ten. It would have been an honorable mention. Uh, along with, uh, we, we talked about it uh, a few minutes ago, OJ, Sin, uh, OJ Made in America, that documentary. It's just mm-hmm. as brilliant as that. It's a look at race relations in America... Specifically, uh, through the civil rights uh, movements with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., through the eyes of James Baldwin, who uh, was a writer and who knew like these these people, uh, and it, the premise of the documentary is um, the filmmakers took James Baldwin's unfinished uh, writings and just brought it hmm. to life and. And put in like footage, like, like news footage and footage from today. Uh, there's there's Ferguson footage in there. Uh, it's and 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 they have Samuel Jackson narrating it, just basically reciting James Baldwin's words. Oh, wow. that's my cat feeder coming. Yes, <laughs> coming in at the most inappropriate time. Just um, pouring all that cheese right into the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it knows about timing that cat feeder. Anyway, yes, it is a <laughs> it is an exceptional documentary about race. Um, I I'm sorry to do this, but I'm going to compare it to Thirteenth. Is it Thirteenth? Yeah, that uh, um, yeah Ava DuVernay's documentary. Yes, which I I talked about it on a few a few episodes ago. That documentary is like a solid in, like information package, but it's not as compelling as I want it to be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I still recommend everybody see that documentary. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's still incredible. It's still relevant. Thirteenth uh, by Eva DuVernay. But what I am not your Negro does is it's it re- it really drives home like uh, its themes, its message because um, it's just so well made. Uh, I mean, like all you need, 
are those words by James Baldwin? And you just need a voice behind it, and, and Sam Jackson provides the perfect narration for it. And he has a pretty good voice, yeah. so that helps. <laughs> so building on those words and and just putting in uh, the right images, correlating with those words, it's it's perfect. So I highly recommend. I am not your Negro. Uh, it's sensational stuff for sure. Uh, it's it's playing in theaters, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more as the weeks go on because it is nominated. Uh, for best documentary film yes. at the Oscars, so uh, yes, I'm not your Negro for sure. See this, uh, John? Uh, have you seen this movie? I have not. Uh, it's in my pile of screeners, but I have not watched it. Yeah, I highly recommend you put it up top. It's uh, yeah, it's it's excellent. I, I one quick story. I'll say as I was watching this in a theater, um, this uh, woman next to me, this older woman, she was. She was hit by it. She she was crying through most of it. It's oh, it, wow. it's powerful Jesus. stuff. And uh, and at, at the end of the screening, uh, I was coming out of the restroom and I ran into her and she said, "I boy, I wish that asshole Trump would see this documentary." So yeah. Huh. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh it, it's effective. It is effective. So that is I am not a Negro. So there you go. Uh, now let's transition to something else, Matt. Yes, <laughs> you saw a, a certified a certified classic movie, right? Yeah, um, I watched my first Fellini film. I finally saw Eight and a Half, and uh, yeah, it lived up to its reputation. This is really good. Um, everyone knows the basic story. I mean, it's about you know this director who's you know making a movie, or maybe he's not making a movie. And basically, it's everything that goes along with that. It's one of the best movies I've seen about the process of making a film. And I it just made me so excited to watch more of Fellini's work. Uh, this this kind of blew me away. I love this thing. Yeah, I, I love it, for sure. Uh, one of my first big moments in just getting into films watching this and just saying, oh, this is what everything's all about, right? The filmmaking. And- I, I guess I came to it a little late. <laughs> Baby's first Fellini. Baby's um, first Fellini. <laughs> I definitely need to see more Fellini, for sure. I, I have a few Criterions by Fellini that uh, have are not... Or I've not, I have not watched it. I have a... Uh, what's that one? Uh, Armacord? Uh, uh, is that... Am I, am I, am I, I think that, yeah. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, I, ha- I have that on my shelf, but I haven't seen it, so I feel ashamed. Yeah, I own this one, and I have uh, La Dolce Vita. Oh, God, yeah, I've seen La Dolce Vita. I love that movie. I love it. This is this is typical film fan talk at this point. You've heard this on other podcasts before, listeners. We're sorry, but hey, it's Matt's first time, though. I mean, it I'm, was my I, first one. I'm so glad you finally saw it. It's I'm an adult now. <laughs> you've graduated. Uh, I mean, I mean, John, uh, you've seen Eight and a Half, right? I am not an adult. No, I saw seven. <laughs> I saw seven. I saw nine. I also saw Blake Edwards ten. Um, You've seen enough of the I, franchise to know. Yeah, I just have never got around to eight and a half. Oh man, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, we all have blind spots. Uh, what, what was? What, uh, I mean, Matt, you and I talked about this on on <laughs> on something that we were working on like last year. My shameless segment on the Talk from Society podcast. Yes. I mean, I feel bad for not having seen um, Big Trouble in Little China. Everybody just gets gets really angry at me when I say that. Hey, that's a good movie, damn it. It is. Yeah, see, just like Matt. Matt gets angry. 
Uh, I mean, some people, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what? I mean, John. I mean, people. I mean, what, what, what other blind spots would you say you have? And I mean, this is a safe space, John. You can, you can. You... I think the biggest one is probably Saving Private Ryan. People seem to flip out when I, when I have say I haven't seen it. Um, that's probably the biggest one. I would say that. I mean, for me, like foreign films from this era, uh, Fellini. Um, you know, French New Wave, Godard, like that kind of stuff. Those are all big blind spots too, but those aren't ones people flip out over. Um, I would say probably Saving Private Ryan has gotten like the biggest. You've never seen Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> like that sort of that sort of response. But who has time for uh, real movies when you're watching Jaws for the Revenge? <laughs> Damn right. Uh, you know, one one of mine is Gone with the Wind, but but recently people I've I've told that have been like, well. You don't need to see Gone with the Wind, but I'm, it's, but I'm like, that's a good movie. But it's it's a classic, right? But I, but I, you haven't seen Gone with the Wind. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's all right. It's super melodramatic. Um, it's very yeah. it's, it's very, very much of its time. Very yeah, very very melodramatic. I find it difficult to watch because the acting is very over the top, uh, and and even for the time, I think the acting is a little bit heightened. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Matt, what about you? You may have brought this up previous, but what are your, your blind spots? Oh, name it. I It's probably a blind spot. <laughs> uh, so I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I can't, like, off the top of my head, I don't I don't know. I'm trying to think of big movies. Um, eight and a half? I, I saw that. Oh, okay. Um, let's <laughs> <see>. <laughs> Starting alf- uh, numerically, then alphabetically. I don't know. It's it's hard to I, say. I, it's it's hard to say, like, oh, a big movie that I haven't seen, you know? Yeah. Um, the Godfather? You've seen that? I've seen multiple Godfather films. <laughs> what is your favorite Godfather movie? Shut up. <laughs> We're not getting into this what again. It? What is it? I don't want to have to defend this movie again, damn it. This is the best tangent we've, we've run into. It's Godfather, Godfather 4, The Revenge. It's the one where Brando travels all the way from the East Coast all the way to the Bahamas to get revenge. It's wonderful. That I've seen that so many times. Movie. I love that they made that in the 90s. I think it was called The Freshman, wasn't it? <laughs> the Freshman. Yeah, with him and Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that's that Godfather, Godfather 4. 4. Yeah. With okay. The Lizard. We'll, we'll, we won't talk about Godfather 3 and how that's your favorite, Matt. Let's move on. Uh, I am nothing but trouble. That was a sure. transition. That was a transition. That was, that was a pretty good transition. <laughs> nothing uh, but trouble. This, this is a movie that I haven't seen since I was, oh, I don't know, five years old. Uh, but, John, you watched this. the right audience for it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Nothing But Trouble. So, there was an article on... Uh, Badass Digest about nothing but trouble, and I saw this movie twice theatrically during its, during its original run. Um, it's I liked it as much as I did when I was like fifteen, uh, <laughs> and it's not good, but it's it. You know, there are occasionally those movies that are like so beyond the pale that they kind of defy description, and you just have to go. You got to watch this. Like you have to watch this movie. And to me, that's Nothing But Trouble is like one of those movies. It's not that it's really funny. Like, I don't think any of the jokes really work. Um, it kind <laughs> of straddles this weird line between being a cartoon, almost being a horror movie, and being just a regular comedy. Um, but it's it's certainly weird. And I think there are other... There are 
it, I, I did not feel like I wasted my time when I revisited it. Uh, I, I think I have like kind of a newfound uh, appreciation for it. Um, so, so that'll be my Godfather three. I'll be like, come at me <laughs> over nothing but trouble. I, I, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen this the whole way through. I think I've seen like bits and parts of it on TV. Um, and what do you re- What do you remember about it? I remember well. Uh, the penis nose, right? There's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember like the basic setup of it. It's it's the it's, penis it's, nose. <laughs> I, I I'm glad that he made an appearance in Resident Evil: The Final Chapter. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> I'm I'm making a remark about uh, the makeup job that uh, Mila Jovovich oh, has. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a shit job. Um, <laughs> no, I. I Honestly, John, it's 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 been like decades since I've seen this. So it's Demi Moore and Chevy Chase, and they sh- they are going somewhere. Don't even I don't even think that's relevant where they're going. Yeah, I I know um, that. And then they get locked and they up. End up getting they get yeah they pass through like the speed trap town that's run by this maniacal judge, and he has uh, a daughter played by John Candy who also plays uh, a cop. Wait, a daughter played by John Candy? I don't remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a daughter played by John Candy because a big part of the plot is him trying to marry his daughter off to Chevy Chase because he he thinks Chevy Chase is a banker, even though Chevy <laughs> Chase is not a banker, and so he keeps trying to marry his daughter off. Um, John Candy and drag, and his house is like this, like weird, <laughs> this weird fun house uh, with like booby traps and stuff in it, with this roller coaster that flays the skin off of people. Um, there's these two like mutated babies in diapers that are like seven feet tall that hang out in a junkyard. Um, it's it's really weird. It's it's really really <laughs> weird. Uh, and, and at some point, uh, Digital Underground shows up and they do the whole uh, uh, same song all around the world. It's the same song. They do that okay. music. There's a there's a musical number much like La La Land. If you enjoyed <laughs> La La Land, I think nothing but trouble would be right up your alley. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Dan Aykroyd was uh, was one of these projects that he tried to get made forever and ever and ever, and I believe he had just come off of Driving Miss Daisy, so he had a little bit of clout because he was Oscar okay, nominated yeah. for that one. And then, um, and then he used he leveraged that to create Nothing But Trouble, um, directed by him and written by him, and it's 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 an odd 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 movie. It's still the only movie he's ever directed. That's true, and I actually don't think he's that bad of a director. I think that his his writing could have used some work. I think he needed a uh, a partner who would maybe tell him no. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think the directing's bad. I think he's kind of got he's got um, he's got a decent enough eye. There's not really any jokes on paper. Everything's just kind of weird. Um, yeah. But I I, didn't, I I did not think it was flatly directed. It, it's sort of. Um, I was trying to think of a movie that it reminded me of. Uh, I don't know, uh, but I, I, I didn't think it was. You know, he sh- he shoots his stuff with flair, enough flair. Yeah, uh, I think it was Matt. You just put in the, our chats, Skype chats. Uh, that's John Candy as in a wedding dress. In a wedding dress. Uh, that'll be the <laughs> the image that people listening to this online uh, on talkfromsociety.com. They'll I'll, I'll put that as like the the header image. Thank you. Thank show. you. Yeah. Uh, that's. Uh, I need to revisit. I need to revisit this. <laughs> maybe maybe we have like an old DVD at work I can buy for like a dollar. Is it currently on Blu-ray? It's, no, <laughs> no, it is no, not. I, so. 
I've, I've watched it on... So I got the bug and went, you know, I'm going to watch this. The DVD's dirt cheap. You can get the DVD for like just a couple bucks. But uh, it was on, I think, Cinemax. And if you attach Cinemax to Amazon, you get it for like free for two weeks. Oh, yeah. oh nice. So I did that, and then I was able to watch it. There you go. It's a hot tip. Uh, yeah, I just looked it up, not on Blu-ray. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, sign those petitions, uh, folks. Uh, <laughs> get nothing but trouble on Blu-ray. Shout Factory, are you listening? Actually, yeah, this, this they probably would release this, right? They're that's, a, that's a perfect Shout Factory release. Yeah, I mean, yeah this sounds like a perfect Shout Factory. <laughs> they're putting so much effort into RoboCop 3 that I, I, I don't see why this can't be Oh my treatment. god, that's a thing that's happening, isn't it? I'm excited about RoboCop 2. That all, like, Me too. All, all the love going into that. Like, there's, I think there's a new transfer for that coming out. Uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Serial Mom. Yeah. Um, which was yeah. my first John Waters as a 10-year-old boy. But uh, from, the, <laughs> from, from the Sabbath, nothing but trouble would, 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 be, would fit fine in the, in yeah, the that makes sense. collection. So that was nothing but trouble. Um, transition here between... Speaking of uh, directors who have only directed one film uh, so far, I watched uh, Ewan McGregor's American Pastoral uh, the other night, and uh, I don't know about this movie. It's definitely bonkers and crazy pants, and not all there. It's off its rocker. The story's a little weird, but I dug it. I, I like kind of liked how weird it is and how strange the characters were. I don't really know what else to say about it, other than hey, Dakota Fanning's still a thing. What is this movie about? Okay, this guy he lives in you know uh, he lives in New Jersey actually. Uh, he lives oh. uh, in in like upstate New Jersey, uh, right after you know post war America. It's like the late sixties. Uh, he's uh, it's Ewan McGregor. He's married to Jennifer Connelly. They run like a small like factory, and their daughter is Dakota Fanning, and she gets uh, wrapped up with uh, some radical militant uh, protesters and. Basically, she's on the lam because of something that happened that she may or may not have done. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's hard to describe without getting... I don't know, it's, it, it gets really weird. Like, really bizarre with what some characters do for apparently no reason. Other than, that's weird, and it happened in the book, so let's do it in the movie. Uh, but I liked it. I, uh, McGregor makes some good choices uh, behind the camera. And overall, I did like this movie. Uh, it was a nice surprise. Excellent. I, I, I may have heard it mentioned on Twitter or something, but I, I, I didn't know it was a thing. I, I think I didn't know it was a Ian McGregor directorial effort. I had no yeah, idea. he directed this. <laughs> Good. Good. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he does more. That would be nice. Let's hope so. Uh, John, I'm going to guess you haven't. Have you seen American Pastor? It was it was the only one on the list that I had not even heard of. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It just did not was not on my radar at all. Where did you come to see this, Matt? Uh, we got the DVD in work the other day, and I brought it home. <laughs> cool. It story, came out on. Man. It came out. Not really a cool <laughs> story. Uh, it came out on Tuesday, so I, I bought the DVD and brought it home. And you give it a slight thumbs up, right? Yes. It's like a it's like a half thumb, like someone. <laughs> Kind of like I jammed my thumb in a door and it won't go up all the way. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty good though. Uh, if you can rent it, uh, it's it's worth the rental. I worth the rental. Okay. Yeah. 
That's Matt's pull quote on the DVD. It's worth a rental. <laughs> worth a rental. McGregor does good things. Yeah, it, it's that is right above. It's a movie. Your your catchphrase. <laughs> worth a rental. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of you and McGregor, uh, I wonder if he's seen Soylent Green. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing he has. A lot of people have. <laughs> Uh, Soylent Green. Uh, who am I? Ask, have you have you guys seen Soylent Green? I, Many times. I honestly, I I I can't remember. I, this is like a running theme through this episode, and maybe through the entire series. You can't remember if you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I think I may have seen it on Turner Classic Movies, like when I was a teenager. Okay. Um, I have like f- like the faintest memories. I think I have, but it's been a very long time, so. That's my answer. Matt, I mean, Matt, you've seen it. Uh, this is actually a movie that I have owned throughout my life. Uh, when I was a kid, I had it on VHS. Uh, a little later, I bought it on DVD, and then I got it on Blu-ray. So, yeah. so I have I have a long-standing relationship with Soylent Green. <laughs> it's made of people, s- you know. <laughs> yeah, I had never seen Soylent Green until the other day. Oh wow! I picked up. I picked up. Um, I wanted Omega Man on Blu-ray. And there was like a set that was Logan's Run, Soylent Green, and Omega Man for like seven bucks. All oh, that's one, awesome! All in one like Blu-ray package. And uh, so I, I sat down and watched Soylent Green the other day, and there were things about it that legit surprised me. I think that's another movie that's kind of gotten memefied. You know, almost it's almost definitely. impossible. Like the ending, everybody knows the ending at this point because of yeah. Saturday Night Live and the Phil Hartman sketch where and the Simpsons and the greenest people. Um, yeah. But the, uh, the film was more of a, of a mystery, um, than I expected. Like the setup of it is like a yeah. cop and like an overpopulated world. And there's a, a crime that looks, it's supposed to look like a standard murder, like a random thug murder. Mm-hmm. But there's things about it that are so specifically planted to look like a random murder that it's obvious that it's not a random murder, which leads him kind of down this, uh, trail that eventually goes to the Soylent Corporation, which is this company that provides uh, cheap and nutritious food to the the overpopulated masses. It's made with plankton. Um, yeah, made with made with plankton. Yes. Uh, and Soylent Green is supposed to taste better and have more nutritional value than Soylent Red and Yellow, uh, which are, have fallen out of favor. So everybody's going nuts for the Soylent Green. So, Soylent Green, I thought, was a weird title. Apparently, like, the book has some other title that is more about uh, uh, the overpopulation. Like oh, it's called uh, Make Room, Make Room. Yeah, Make Room, Make Room. Um, you know, I read, that, room, I read that in high school. <laughs> oh, yeah? And it's completely, like, the Soylent part of it, from what I kind of looked at afterwards, was like the book is all about the murder mystery part, but not about Soylent yes. Green as people. Yep. So, yeah, which I thought was interesting that that's what it's known for. I feel like this is also a movie that somebody should remake. And oh, most definitely. I, I think it's tricky because everybody kind of already knows the ending, so I think you just have to build the dread that way, which is that you sort of establish it early on so that it's not a twist ending, uh, yeah. and then just kind of make it where it's like the world is about to discover that it's uh, that it's people and, and, and create the dread from there. Um Edward G. Robinson is terrific in it. Oh my god, he uh, is really good in this. Yeah, and that was something that caught me completely unawares. I was like, I know that guy, I know that guy. Yeah. I, I was kind of look I watched the opening credits, they're kind of interesting, but I wasn't paying attention to the names because the opening credits are 
sort of a timeline of events that got us to the point that we begin Soil and Green. And it uh, all like, started in 2016. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you see it go back to like the turn of the century and like the 1900s, and then it shows everything leading up to where the movie begins. Um, and so I wasn't paying attention to the names of the opening credits, and I was like, I know that guy. Uh, but yeah, his performance is really, really good. He's sort of like... It's kind of a stock character. You know, we talked about Michael Caine earlier. Michael Caine played yeah. a, a character like this in Children of Men, which is sort of like the old guy who remembers the way that the world used to be. Yeah. And that's sort of become like a stock sci-fi character. Um, but, you know, this is 1973, so this isn't really a stock character at this point. Um, no, that's yeah, sort of yet. who Yeah, that's sort of who Edward G. Robinson plays, is this guy who, who knows what the world used to be like when it was good. Um and he has like probably the best scene in the movie is not the, you know, the big finale that everybody knows, but the scene where the this basically like an assisted suicide where they sit you in a big theater and they show mm-hmm. you images of the way that the world used to look until you die. Yeah, uh, and that scene is amazing. <laughs> it really is it's so I, good. I remember that actually like giving me pause when I was young watching this. I was like, wow, this is. This is really good, and nothing like I thought this movie was going to be. Yeah, the, there's. I, I really want to see somebody else take a crack at the material. And hey, let me ask you this: it. I had to like retroactively figure out that the uh, the lead female character is a was a prostitute. He there's a scene where he he shows up at the apartment where she's living, and it's full of girls, and they're just having like a party. Yeah. And he's like, I want to talk to you. And he goes to the bedroom, and he goes, get on the bed. And then he immediately starts taking off his clothes, and she, like, pulls the bed back, and she gets naked and gets in bed. And he's, like, questioning her, like, police questions. And then he gets in bed with her and just starts making out. And then I feel like the information was given after the fact that, like, oh, they're prostitutes. But yeah. I didn't know that. I was like, what is this weird, like, Charlton Heston thing of just, like, taking, you know, just, like, yeah, that was Heston's way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, but that was that that part struck me as as odd simply because I didn't have enough information. Maybe I wasn't paying attention at some point when they mentioned it, but uh, I was sort of like, why? What? Why is she doing that so willingly? Because because she had talked about how much she loved, like Joseph Cotton is the actor um, who plays the character who's killed and kind of kicks yes, everything off. Yeah. He's in it for you know he's only in it for a minute or two. But she had talked before about how devoted she was to him, and so in that scene where where uh, Charlton Heston gets to bed the lead female, I was kind of like, does this does this ring true to the film? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really good, Marcella. You should you should see it if you haven't. Yeah, yeah it's I, been a it's been a few years since I've seen it. I'm going to rewatch it. Yeah, I, I again, uh, I think I may ha- may have seen like Omega Man, you know, or and thought it was Solent Green back in the day. I don't know. I need to see. Either you see this for the first time or rewatch it because I, I, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's that's. Uh, it's basically, it's like a sci-fi detective story. It's really cool. Yeah, I swear I'm really trying to think. I think I have seen it because I remember the end coming and I knew the end already because it, it it was in, it's it's in pop culture, and yeah. I think back then I was like, oh, you know, uh, even though I knew the ending, I was still uh, satisfied with, with with the story. I, I remember that. So, yeah, uh, so that may have been when I was, like, you know, 11 or something. It was a long Jesus. time ago. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll that, was like, that was, like, three years ago. <laughs> yes. 
I am a teenage podcast uh, host. Um, wizard. I'm a wizard. That was five five La La Land viewings ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of the apocalypse... Come, coming this winter. Uh, I saw Apocalypse Now. Uh, Where'd you see it? <laughs> that's, not, that's not how this bit goes, Matt. It, Damn it. <laughs> it goes like this. Okay. I saw Apocalypse Now. Where, Matt? The Alamo Draft House, where dreams are made. That's the bit. Okay. That's the bit. <laughs> We're like 57 episodes in, and we have in-jokes, so sorry, new listeners. Uh, Apocalypse Now, I saw it at the Draft House, at the Draft House Ritz, uh, in 70 millimeter. Oh. Uh, and before the movie started, I'll just talk about the experience, because the experience was something else. More than the actual plot, because Apocalypse Now is a it's, it's a masterpiece. It's a classic. Yeah, it's been said. But I talked about it last week. Yeah, or the, uh, week, or the week before that. And it was funny they brought it up, and uh, and they were screening this. Uh, the, the, this is part of their seventy millimeter Alamoscope series. That's they've nice. done they've done before, like four years ago, I think. And this year they've got like uh, that. Well, by this point, I, th- I think we're nearing the end of the the series. They they've done Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, they did the master, which, which which I got to see. They did inherent vice. Uh, I think they're doing Vertigo next week. Uh, oh, sweet! You go to that. Yeah, I've actually already seen, already seen that in seventy millimeter. So uh, it was an amazing experience. I would see it again, but this is the first time me seeing Apocalypse Now in a theater. Uh, I had seen it before, obviously, but man, uh, so they started the 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 show. Before they screen, before they screened the movie, they made an announcement. They said, uh, f- uh, "Thanks for coming to see Apocalypse Now, seventy millimeter." By the way, uh-huh. the print is a mess. Um, it uh, oh. there's like a slight buzz throughout. The color has been drained. Uh, if you would like a refund, you know through the you know through the movie like halfway through or, or whenever, please you know step out and we'll give you a refund. So they give us that warning. Oh. Oh, at least they were cool about it. Yeah, no, they they're they're they, like, hey, this print is garbage. Yeah, have fun. That's that's the draft house. They they were really close to not screening this, uh, and we also got an email. You know, uh, folks who bought tickets to see this also got an email saying the same thing as, oh, you know, this print is like worn and torn. But the main reason we're showing it is because it is historic. It, it, this is the prints that Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, had been using for his roadshow version of Fuck Ups Now. This is the print. Um, And, yeah, they had done it before for Blowout, where they were going to screen Blowout in 35mm, but the print was, like, way too foregone, and they just showed it digitally. So they were close to doing that for this, but they just showed the print. And I'll say I'm glad I got to see it in 70mm, despite it being worn and torn. I think... The fact that it was worn and torn, like helped with the experience. It adds to the, yeah. the viewing. It yeah. became like unworldly. It it added to that layer of it. Huh. Uh, there was like a slight reddish hue because the color had been drained. Yeah, and that added to it. Imagine seeing Apocalypse Now with like a red tint throughout. Ah, uh. it, it, it. I was. I I've seen this like maybe three or four times. Previous and it, it, it had been years since I've seen it, you know, in full. I was unsettled by it. 
I oh it's oh yes <laughs> like three fourths of the way through I was like my skin was crawling I was uh-huh. my stomach was churning uh, I, I I felt very uneasy and very few movies have done that to me and this seeing it on the big screen with the sound and everything with like a worn and torn re- like projected reel of it uh, it's a, it was a, an experience that I haven't felt before so yeah holy hell apocalypse now uh, it's really good it's really good and just seeing it in that way with and also with a crowd who I I, I always get a kick out of seeing a, like a movie like this a movie I've seen many times and seeing with a crowd it's happening with like The Godfather uh, where we see a movie well like I mean at home I see a movie I see it one way but then when you see it with a crowd yeah I, lo- I love it that people laugh at the jokes like oh mm-hmm. it, this movie is funny at times <laughs> like, yes it, it, like, even Apocalypse Now it has some jokes it's funny especially the fucking tiger man <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the surfing man it is uh, yeah oh God. people were just uh, there were a lot of people there who had were seeing it for the first time Oh, that's cool. I was cool. jealous uh, for them. Uh, yeah, but they were just loving this movie. And I could just feel the sense of dread throughout the entire audience as, like, as it progressed and we reached the end. So, amazing experience. Uh, I, was, I was really close to not seeing this, you know. But you're glad the, you did. At the draft system, I'm glad I did. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I probably said this a few weeks ago, but, I mean, this is a movie that I've seen so many times I've just lost count. Yeah. At this, at this point, um... It's my favorite Coppola film. It's my probably my favorite war film. Uh, I adore this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I, I I came home and started watching some of the bonus features on the Apocalypse Now Blu-ray. Oh, fantastic! Um, That's a great transfer, by yeah. the way. <laughs> oh, oh, and I also say, of course, it was the seventy millimeter print, so it was the theatrical cuts. Uh, okay. They they, okay. they didn't show the the three and a half hour Redux version. Which I would like to watch again. I only see I've only seen that once, maybe like ten years ago. Uh, so I need to see it again. Uh, John, have you seen Apocalypse Now? <laughs> Apocalypse Now was on pretty constant rotation on VHS when I was a kid. Uh, my stepdad was not in the military, but was very wannabe military, like Red Soldier, Fortune Magazine, and like... Gotcha. ...had stuff to make his own bullets and things like that, and um, in the 80s, Viet- there was like sort of a Vietnam chic, like uh, TV shows and movies and everything sort of weirdly glamorized is like a strong word like romanticized it kind yeah of. They, they're very 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 romantic yeah there was a lot of romanticizing of Vietnam as like a cultural fad in the 80s um, that really that he really responded to even though he you know he didn't serve in Vietnam or anything like that um, Apocalypse Now was on all the time like I think out of if I named two movies that were on when I was a kid, it was like National Lampoon's Vacation and Apocalypse Now. And it was like the old, <laughs> the, the two VHS tapes, you know, because you had to like put the other one in because they were only so long, could only yep. hold so much movie. Because of that, and I don't have a very good relationship with that stepdad, nor do I have good memories of that, that time, really, yeah. um, that I've kind of like not been keenly interested in revisiting the film. 
Uh, it's a weird one to watch when you're a kid because it's kind of like it's simple enough that you sort of get it, uh, but it's not for children. <laughs> oh Lord, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, that you know, I probably I probably started seeing it at age seven or so, and then they divorced in '88. So, oh wow, yeah. So I saw it for a good probably seven to age like twelve or thirteen. I probably saw it like twice a year during during my formative years. Uh, yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, I. Uh, so you've lost count of how many times you've seen it, right, Matt? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's one, like I said, I haven't seen this in like maybe four or five years. Um, it's not an easy film to watch. I just realized it's, it's tough. It can be, it can be very difficult. It is, it is, it is not for kids though. <laughs> it is not. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's Apocalypse Now. Uh, uh, again, it, I, I, I can't really put into words how like disturbed I was by the end, which is an experience I, I will forever forever remember. Another great experience at the Animal Draft House. The dreams are made. Similar to the one I uh, to the feeling I felt after leaving um, the theater after seeing Enter the Void and just being uh, oh, Jesus. just uh, uh, right slapped to the face. So yeah. Uh, so okay, so Apocalypse Now is a movie I've seen many times. Let's talk about a movie that I've never seen. That we're going to end our show with, John. What did you watch? I watched The Road. Ooh. Um, I had I had read the book and uh, just missed the movie when it came out. Just didn't make time for it. And lately, I don't know if you guys have seen. There's like a meme that's going around. That's The Road. It's like the image <laughs> of yes uh, of Vigo and and Cody. Uh, what is it? Smith McPhee. Is that yes. the kid's yeah. name? Uh, an image of them like pushing a cart down the road and then it'll say you know something jokingly that it's just like you know it's April or, or whatever like yeah. it's just like right around the corner it's sort of the joke of the of the meme I've um, seen the I've seen that image with the the comment saying but you see there were these emails yeah I've seen I've seen that one <laughs> I've seen that one as well um yeah it was it was harrowing it was um it was pretty faithful to the book uh, and it's like all of the, uh, you know, it's like all the bad parts of Fallout, none of the fun ones. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no Mr. Um, Andes? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee is really, really good at it. Like, really good. Um, the scenes where he's, like, crying are maybe the most realistic child crying scenes I've ever seen on film. Um, Damn. And it kind of made me uncomfortable because I was like how did they get that performance from him because that kid is legit bawling like not movie crying where they're spraying some glycerin in his eyes but like this he's making like the high pitched squeal of like a little kid crying it was uh wow yeah it was really really it was it was his performance makes it worth watching Robert Duvall shows up at one point uh and has uh kind of an Oscar Beatty scene, but he's really good in it as well. Um, it's it's very bleak, uh, as you've probably heard. Yeah. Uh, it's not, um, you know, it's certainly not, doesn't have the thrills of, like, a Mad Max. It's not as dumb fun as, like, Book of Eli. Um, you know, it's just sort of a, a drama that takes place in a wasteland about a father and a son, and 
and the line between you know it had me thinking as well about like liberals kind of eating themselves in regards to say like just a, a recent example being like the Nazi punching and how it's <laughs> like no 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 we as liberals we never raise our hand in violence to others we use words you know and and you know there's kind of it's not a huge schism but there is a schism between those people and people who are like no it's okay because if a punch gets somebody on the news and now you know what that person thinks then that punch was worth it if that mm-hmm. punch brought that stuff to the light of day then that punch was worth it is assault a crime yes should that person you know you know suffer the consequences of the crime they committed yes but at the same time those things can have value. Those simple, small acts of violence, big acts of violence can have value. Um, but those things can have value. And I felt like The Road had some of that kind of... It, it got my wheels turning as far as that stuff goes because there's a lot of discussion in the film that takes place between the father and the son over what makes them good guys. Because okay. they are out for their own survival um, and they will ignore other people um, even if the other people are offering help, they'll ignore them, um, or they will, uh, you know, react violently if they feel like they're being threatened. Um, sometimes the violence is over what the threat is. You know what I mean? Like they, the, they'll they'll react more violently just out of sheer terror or fear uh, than you would in any other situation. And then, so the boy keeps having this conversation about like we're the good guys, right? We're the good guys, right? Um, and I thought some of that was, was pretty interesting in it. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. It showed up on Netflix, so it's out there. I mean, it's it's easy to stream now. Uh, uh, but it was um, it was probably better than I had heard that it was, uh, and I'm I'm surprised. It's not it's not the kind of movie that you would necessarily want to turn around and rewatch anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but it's just so it's so well made. Like it's it's it looks good. Uh, the acting is really, really good. Uh, I, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those better than Jaws four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, I mean, this sounds like I sound like a broken record on every episode, but it's a movie that I own. I just haven't watched. Jeez, like one day we have to compile a list, Matt, and go through. It's each also one. A, it's also a book that I own that I haven't read. <laughs> Uh, what uh, what was that show that Will Goss had, had proposed on the show? Like, hey, what haven't you watched? Or what have show? I watched? Yes. <laughs> what haven't you watched? Um, I've, I saw this in theaters uh, back when it was released. And I, I remember it being uh, – it having, like, great performances. It, it, it being, like, well-constructed overall. But it just didn't, didn't really hit me uh, as much as I wanted it to. I'm glad it's on Netflix. I can re- I can revisit it and and kind of reassess it. But yeah, but yeah, but that's how I felt uh, first watching it. It didn't really impact me like I wanted it to. And I have a feeling I, wonder- I would I would like this because I do love Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, John, you doesn't say? have. Yeah, I was going to say probably. I think watching it at home is is maybe different because it's very episodic. They kind of just go from place to place and encounter uh, various things. Um, and so it doesn't really have like a the structure of it isn't necessarily like rising action, climax, falling action. So I would those kind of things are always a harder watch to me in a theater than they are at home. At home, I think you're so used to like the low key stakes of like some TV that stuff like that plays a little better in your living room. Yeah, and uh, you know without that without needing to have like an overarching plot because uh, because it, it is just 
you know, they go here, they meet these bandits. Then they go here and they find a can of peaches. And they go here and they <laughs> meet these people. So it's very, you know, kind of a rambling movie. Yeah. And I remember it being, I mean, talking about hard watches with Apocalypse Now, I remember this being a hard watch. Just It's it's like a constant downer, <laughs> for lack of a better word. That's what I remember uh, about it. Um but hey, you know I'm up for like I said, it's on Netflix. I'm up for a revisit. I love Ego Mortensen, and and and, and who's the kid? Uh, he's he's been in things, right? Right, Matt? He's, yeah, he's the he's the new Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Nightcrawler now. That guy. He so was yeah, also he, in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's right. Yeah. And the kid he, in Let Me In. <laughs> there's so a lot. So many post-apocalyptic movies feel like they have like there's still sort of like. There's certain tropes, like there's tribalism and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's like, there's technology that's like, oh, we've put spikes on cars now or whatever. There's always like kind of a, it's rare that you see one that deals with the horror of like what the aftermath would be versus just like it being a setting for a sci-fi story. And I feel like The Road is all about like the real horror of the situation like there's no allies there's no civilization there's no there's not even any like Gary Oldman style warlord set up like in Book of Eli where he like runs that town and everything um that's that's another movie I need to see (laughs) yeah uh but it's uh you know it's it it makes it look really really shitty (laughs) it makes uh so it does its job yeah, it makes a post-apocalyptic future look no fun at all. So, <laughs> uh, and will it be a look at things to come? We'll see. And on that note, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather a I'd rather a Fallout type future. <laughs> I'll hang out with a ghoul. What kind of future will we have? We'll find out on the next episode of Hey, What You Watch? <laughs> nope, nope. Call um, your local Vault Tech representative today. <laughs> that has been the show. Um, thank you, Matt, for ending on the road. A huge downer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, there's there's no chitza on the road. <laughs> there you go, bringing back the chitza. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, thank you for coming on. It was thank you. I do. I do have to say, and I have a small correction. I didn't want to like interrupt my introduction earlier. I have actually never written for GQ. I oh. have only il- I have only illustrated for GQ. Oh well. I just wanted to, I wanted to clarify my byline somewhat because there are no articles by me. You will not find stuff written by me on GQ, but I, but I, but I drew stuff one time. Thank you for that uh, correction, John. And speaking of where people can find your stuff, it's a, it's time for plugs, John. Where can they find people Ooh. listening? Find you online. You can find me online at on Twitter at Golson G H O L S O N. I just found out yesterday that I was in a Adult Swim pilot called the Suplex Duplex Complex. Nice. And that is going to premiere uh, with the Midnight Shorts at South by Southwest in a couple months. Awesome. Awesome. Check that out, folks. That, that sounds amazing. Uh, Matt, what about you? As usual, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Matt C, and you can also find me under the same name over on Letterboxd to make sure I'm not lying about what movies I've been watching. And you can find me over at TalkFilmSociety.com, where I am the uh, managing editor, and I'm coming up with some really great stuff for everyone. Yes, absolutely. As for me, piggyback on what Matt said, TalkFilmSociety.com. 
check all that out. Um, hey, here's something I wanted to mention on a show. Uh, why don't you guys who who've reached the end of this episode? Thank you for li- thank you for listening. It's been almost two hours at this point. Uh, if you Jesus. like, <laughs> we really got to cut these down. <laughs> I remember you, Matt. You started by saying this is going to be a short one. I, think I we, apologize, John. We both agreed on that, but no, that's okay. Uh, it, it's it's. I, I don't know how like, these are like ending up exactly two hours. Like every single we need time. to watch less movies, Marcelo. Yeah, let's watch we less need, movies. We need lives. <laughs> Do we though? Is what I'm saying. If we reached uh, the end of this episode and you've enjoyed it, why not leave us a review on iTunes? Yeah, please do that. Uh, do that, and I'll read the reviews. You know, this is a podcast thing that people do. Leave us a review on iTunes. We'll read it on air. Do that. Uh, it, it helps us with uh, the rankings on iTunes. I think that's still a thing. Um, so, and, and and hey, if you want to give us like a, a one star review, don't do that. Don't be a and dick about it. And if you do, it. explain yourself. I'd rather you don't. You know why? It's, this is free entertainment. At, at me. <laughs> yes. Instead of putting down one star in iTunes, at Matt Curion, go to yeah. Twitter. At yell, the, yell, at, yell at me personally on Twitter. At and I will respond. I will respond with a myriad of gifts. Yeah. He, he, he has a... Uh, a Brady Bunch gift that he really wants to use. So yes, I do. It's sitting there waiting. So yes, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, and one more thing. Thank, th- thanks for the reminder, Marcelo. <laughs> That's right. Uh, another inside joke that nobody will understand. Um, the Talk from Society Awards. Talk from Society Awards. Uh, the voting ends in two weeks. Uh, go to talkfromsociety.com/slash/vote. TFS Awards. Uh, please vote on those. That's it. Okay, this is the end. Thank you, John, so much once again for coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, Matt, it's time to close the show with our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah.